There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Shouldn't you be at work? When the seagull follows the trawler, it's because they think sergeants will be thrown into the sea. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. I'll have a low-fat pizza or something like that, or a few biscuits and some milk on a Sunday. And you can pair up if you like, and you can fucking pick someone else to help you, and you can bring your fucking dinner. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Tony oh, Hatton! No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? These are some correspondent specials because we've had so much good stuff. They're also the fan club specials. So if you're on the main feed, you're going to get the first 20 minutes of this. And if you're in the fan club, you're going to get the full correspondence experience. I'm Chris Skull. Joining me as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And hope you're feeling nice, Gary Penrice. It's Michael Marden. Hello. Thank you to Kieran Mortel for that. He played for QPR, didn't he, Gary Penrice? But couldn't tell you anything more than that, really. Any relation to Peter Penrice from the Steve Bruce book? <laughs> oh, well, I wonder whether that's where Steve Bruce got the name from. <laughs> Almost certainly. It's a bit unique, isn't it? I've never met anyone called Penrice. No. So he's delved into football, hasn't he, there? There's a couple of bits I thought we should cover straight off the top. Soccer AM. The end of Soccer AM. Are we sad? Couldn't give a fuck, mate. <laughs> Couldn't give less of a fuck if I tried. I didn't have Sky, so I missed this so-called golden age. I didn't ever watch it. I went on twice, and that was perfectly fine and a nice experience. Am I sad? No. Are you? I'm sad because the golden era was great. But I'm also, it's mixed up with I'm sad to leave that part of my life. What was the golden era? I've watched those Lovejoy clips back, the Lovejoy era. And I think, oh, that was a good time. How about you, Michael? You... No, I'm same as Josh. I think I'd maybe watched it half a dozen times in my life. None of them really stick with me. I either didn't have Sky or I didn't have the time in my life to watch that much football content that wasn't actually football. <laughs> I think this is the big problem with this podcast. You two didn't have Sky, so we've missed out on Soccer AM. We've missed out on Dream Team. Yeah, but I don't think I would have watched Soccer Maybe I would have watched Soccer AM, actually. No. Let's be honest, I've had Sky since 2005 and I've never watched an episode. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Maybe we should kick off this correspondence special with a Do I Remember This Right? Courtesy of Paul Rossiter, who says, on the subject of Soccer AM, who sat here listening to the December 99 special we recently did, says it's a crime we haven't done one episode on Soccer AM, but this is a bit of a Do I Remember This Right? 
that in the kind of Gary Stevens, Russ Williams era, there was a game where people could phone in and press buttons on the telephone. Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just saying words now, Scott. I didn't even know. For me, it's like Lovejoy Rushton. That's all I know about Soccer AM. Well, Helen Chamberlain, obviously. Obviously, the one consistent, but. Yeah. So, sorry, what's the Gary Williams, Russ Stevens? Russ Williams era. <laughs> Russ Williams. <laughs> See the bloke from Virgin Radio. I mean, it would be mad if there was two. It would be mad if Russ Williams yeah, didn't. I'd, I'd, I'd say you've got to say it's not that distinctive a name. <laughs> it surely is. Russ Williams. Was he Russ and Jono with Jono <laughs> Coleman? Who's since R.I.P. Have you gone from pretending you don't know anything to suddenly knowing everything? I didn't know he hosted Soccer AM, but I did have Virgin Radio. So obviously, um, so he worked on Virgin Radio alongside Jonathan Coleman. Right. But they moved to drive time when Chris Evans arrived. This is now coming from Wikipedia. I should just say I'm not. <laughs> but can you confirm he hosted Soccer AM? I can't see that on his Wikipedia. How has that not made the Wikipedia? It's a huge thing on your CV. Well, Gary Stevens, the England right back. Not Gary Stevens, who used to play for Rangers and Everton, right? It can't be. It can't be. <laughs> He's hosted some sports stuff on Absolute Radio. He hosted rock and roll football. So it figures that he hosted Soccer AM, but it's nowhere on his week. Oh, TV work. <laughs> he was the host of Soccer AM in 95, 96. There you go. In 1998, he was announced as ITV's Saturday night show, Don't Try This at Home. So he did some primetime Saturday night TV as well. Wow. What a career. He's the author of five books. How much would you like to read the book, Russ and Jono's Breakfast Experience? (laughs) Published, unsurprisingly, by Virgin Books. Richard Branson fucking staked the house on Russ Williams, didn't he? Had him covered on all fucking formats. (laughs) Can I take you through, and I mean no disrespect to Russ Williams as an author, but can I take you through his five books? Okay. <laughs> Football Babylon, 1996. Russ and Jono's Breakfast Experience, 1997. Fucking hell, he was turning out a book a year in the late 90s. 1998, Football Babylon 2. Then 2020, after a 22-year away. How to Walk Yourself Healthy and Happy, Why Walking Exercise Boosts Physical and Mental Health. And then... Same year, How to Walk Yourself Healthy and Happy, Discover the Physical and Mental Benefits of Regular Walking. That must be the same book under a different title. That can't be the same, Russ Williams. Surely there's someone's merged that. That's two completely different topics. Well, three, if you consider football and breakfast <laughs> as different topics, which I would. Is Football Babylon a fiction or non-fiction book? It's difficult to tell. It's just a title at this stage in the game. Do you not think it's sold enough to get categorised? Well, it's only on his Wikipedia. I haven't gone into Amazon. So he hosted it with Gary A. Stevens. Gary A. Stevens? Yeah, who's a different footballer. Not the Gary Stevens. This one played for Brighton and Tottenham and Portsmouth and had seven games for England. So there was a period in the mid-80s when two Gary Stevens were playing for England at the same time. (laughs) How has this not come up before? Considering you said earlier that you found it astonishing there could be more than one Russ Williams. It feels (laughs) an odd way... (laughs) Well, there are only about five names in the UK around this period. (laughs) So tell me about the Gary Stevens and Russ Williams Soccer AM debacle. Well, 
Paul Rossiter believes there was there in our time. You're not going to remember this if you didn't have Sky. Is this the do I remember this right that there was two Gary Stevens? Yeah. We're about to get like a double name here. But one of the highlights of the era, he thinks, was a game in which callers would press buttons on a telephone keypad to aim a computer-based penalty against Helen Chamberlain, and the commentary <laughs> would be piped in, featuring Helen's namesake, Alec Chamberlain. So again, what? Two Gary Stevens, two Ross yeah. Williams, and potentially two Chamberlains. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> that vaguely <laughs> rings a bell. So Helen Chamberlain would be in goal and your telephone keypad. But she's not even part of this era. <laughs> so was that how she started out? We've only got Paul Roster to go on for this. Early Chamberlain, she was in goal. And maybe she showed so much potential. They were like, one of Gary or Russ has to go. She does cross over, actually, with the Gary Stevens, Russ Williams. <laughs> Yeah, according to her years. <laughs> there you go. So if you've got any more on that, we'd love to know. Did Helen Chamberlain go and go and could you use your computer? That feels like a very 90s thing, doesn't it? Using your telephone keypad to kind of control yeah, it. Yeah, and you had to have touch tone rather than one of those pulse phones, didn't you? <laughs> one of those like 1930s clicker things. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. This is a great email. I've been so excited about this one. Thank you to John Hewitt for sending this in. He says he recently had the opportunity to appear on Australian Mastermind. A listener has been on Australian Mastermind. His specialist subject, Manchester United between 1992 and 1999, the glory years. That's great. So he sat in the famous big black chair wearing his Man United 90s top on national TV. He got 17 out of 17 correct. No passes, no wrong answers. What? How's he done that many? Fucking hell. You're only getting time for about 13. Well, he's rattled through it. I've got the footage. You're told actively by the producer not to interrupt the questions. Oh, really? I worry that he's gone rogue on that instruction. <laughs> well, I've seen the footage. He's been quite calm and relaxed, 17 out of 17. But he says it's only fair to let you know that he completely flunked the general knowledge ground, scoring only two. What? But he's interested to know, how would Michael compete against these questions? Yes. Oh, badly. I'm telling you now, badly. Thank you for John, because he's just sent through the footage this morning, and I've managed to transcribe the first seven questions. Obviously, he got 17 out of 17. Michael, can you get seven out of seven? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Name? Michael Martin. The specialist subject? Well, Manchester United in the 90s, it seems. (laughs) Okay, question one. From 92 to 1999, how many Premier League titles did Man United win? Five. Correct. Who did United finish second to in the 94-95 season? Blackburn Rovers. What was United's biggest win of the 98-99 season? 9-1. Incorrect. It was 8-1 versus Forest. In what year did Manchester United first do the double within this period? Uh, 1995. 93. 93-94 is the correct answer. How many points did United finish the 93-94 season on? Oh, that's a horrible Oh, come on. (laughs) 78. 92. Let's see if you can get this one right. Peter Schmeichel played for which country? No. Denmark. In May 1994, United defeated Chelsea in the FA Cup final by which scoreline? 2 0? 4 0. 4 1. 4 1? No, it's 4 0. Or is it 4 0? I've just written that down wrong there. 
Does that ever happen on Mastermind? Just that down. <laughs> Do you know what? If I'd researched, I think that a lot of those are gettable, not to undermine his very impressive score. But I was worried they were going to be really, really niche. Yeah, some of them are very gettable. And to be fair, United's biggest winner of the 98-99 season, the way that question is actually phrased is, Manchester United beat Nottingham Forest for their biggest win of the 98-99 season. Oh, that would have helped. That would have helped. But some of them are really easy. Some of them are really tough. But nonetheless... Congratulations. Well done, John Hewitt, on a, quite a showing there in the Australian Mastermind. Yeah. If you went on Mastermind, genuinely, what would be your specialist subject? Oh, I think mine would be Seinfeld. Do you? That's vast, though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but I think there's enough there that I could then build extra research on top of. And I don't think they'd go insanely deep in terms of the research. Chris? West Ham 92 to 99, I think. I like that. It's almost too niche. I'm surprised they let you get away with that. Well, I suppose for Man U, it feels like an era. For West Ham, that feels absolutely like random seven years. <laughs> I think you'd probably have to at least do the decade. But for Man U, at least it feels like the Premier League era to the treble. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you've been on Master. What was your subject? It's uh, Blur. Blur. Did the band bring that up? Does Dave Roundtree ever mention that? Yeah, I've discussed it with him before, yeah. I went on Graham Norton there on and they got asked the two questions that I got wrong and they got them right. You'd hope so though, wouldn't you? (laughs) What were the two questions? Who played the brass, which I know now is the kick horns on, I don't know whether they said specifically, but that was all the kind of brass that they had. And who did they support at Brixton Academy? I can't remember, but it's a very early important gig. Can't remember. Don't care. <laughs> I nailed the general knowledge though, mate. I got more than two. Yeah, you've done better than John Hewitt. I'd have thought, and I don't know whether John Hewitt bottled it, but it doesn't feel like he's a bottler considering he did so well on Manchester United. Yeah. yeah. I'd have thought there was some kind of general knowledge test before you signed up. People must be tested to go on Mastermind, mustn't they? I've got no idea. How you that don't works. just go. Can I go on Mastermind? There must be some kind of preliminary, non-televised filter. Isn't it better telly if there is no filter? No, because they're really good, aren't they? When you watch Mastermind, they're always really good. But surely that's the filter happens when people go, do I want to be on Mastermind? I don't know if people are that canny, Chris. <laughs> See, I was thinking this the other day for MasterChef. How are they filtering them? Are they cooking? Are they sending in photos? Are they bringing thousands of people in to cook meals for them? How does it work? Surely there's some sort of CV-based, they have a look. Have you got experience? No, no, because it's amateur cooking, isn't it? Because there's stories like, oh, I've cooked for my family for 30 years and it's my big passion. Well, maybe you're doing a little video like a... But the taste is so key, <laughs> right? <laughs> there needs to be some sort of filter. Surely there is. What do you think, Michael? You've worked in TV. I think there's definitely probably at least a two-stage process where there's a kind of screen test. So regardless of your actual cooking skills, I think you have to be just not some kind of weird like bridge troll type person. I don't even mean look. I mean, just an inability to kind of interact. Communicate. Yeah, to communicate. But I also think there must be some X Factor style. Not every single person rolls out in front of Simon Cowell. There are days and weeks and the good people filter through. There's no way you just go, all right, well, we've got 10,000. Should we just... (laughs) Because you imagine how much awful food would get served. (laughs) No, of course. If you had to go on MasterChef, like, I think I could make one dish that's edible, but it's not getting through 
any kind of round, they're going to go, well, this is just spaghetti bolognese <laughs> made badly. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. We've been talking recently about players with careers that stretched completely different eras. And Paul Allmond has sent in a great one. I don't know if you all remember mid-90s stalwart of Southampton in the Letitia era, Matty Oakley. Yeah, who famously did all the running so Latisse didn't have to. He ended up playing for Exeter City in the FA Cup well into the 2010s and was still playing as late as 2017, which means he was a teammate of both Bruce Grobelar and Ollie Watkins. Oh, wow. That's good. Shared a dressing room with them both. That is amazing. Plin, you've got any more like that? Matty Oakley. So wait, who did he play for with Southampton with Bruce Grobelar? Let's confirm that. Was Ollie Watkins even born at that point? Oh, wow, that's depressing. Possibly not. So, Matty Oakley was playing well into 2017 for Exeter City. Let's have a look. When was Ollie Watkins born? 30th of December, 1995, by which point Matty Oakley's been playing for Southampton for 18 months. So, here's my question. Was Bruce Grobelar really good? Because he was a bit of a joker, wasn't he? But he won an incredible amount of trophies for Liverpool. I mean, he won a European Cup. Yeah, he won a European Cup. And famously, he was kind of the guy that won the shootout for them. Well, I think he's got a touch of the Hateleys about him in that when kind of we became aware of his work, he was way past it. We caught the tail end, and so you label him as one thing, but he's actually quite another. I don't know enough about his career to say whether or not he was actually any good. Yeah, I think he was brilliant. I think because I'm slightly older than you guys and my mum's family were Liverpool fans. Grobler in the 80s and early 90s, well, in the 80s in particular, was brilliant. I think he was obviously erratic. He's in the kind of like Fabian Bartes mould where you go, yeah. this guy will win you matches and points on his own. He also might lose you the odd one, and that's what you take. Well, let's not. not. (laughs) Absolutely no comment on anything other than football, just for legal reasons. Erratic. (laughs) Not saying he's corrupt. I'm saying his head's not always in the game. He was quite modern in that he was a bit of a sweeper keeper. I remember him throwing the ball out at Pay. Like, 
he'd have really thrived, I think, in the modern game. We're just saying he's a sweeper keeper. We're not saying he came dangerously far off his line. <laughs> just anyone listening. Inexplicably ran out of goal. <laughs> he had a weird career in that he kind of played for Durban and then Vancouver Whitecaps, and then he moved to Crewe for 24 games. And then he signed with Liverpool and was suddenly the main goalie of the best team in the country. So who did he replace in Liverpool? Ray Clements. So imagine now if Liverpool being the best team in the country, imagine if Man City replaced Edison with Crewe's goalie. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite a kind of amazing thing to thing. Yeah. But you know what, with goalies, I've been thinking recently, the goalkeeper stocks can rise and fall so quickly. I mean, I was just thinking about Joe Hart the other day. Joe Hart's the ultimate example of that. Joe Hart was like top of the tree and then just became like a nobody overnight. And it feels like that that can happen with goalkeepers in a way it can't really happen without other players. And so like Grobelar making that jump, it doesn't feel that weird for goalkeepers. No, because I suppose you're not playing against anyone except yourself, if that makes sense. The job of a goalie is probably... Not much different in League Two and the Premier League, except the shots are better. Is that a stupid thing to say? No, I don't know. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Like if you did a kind of trading places style experiment and took a goalkeeper, say, from League One and put him for a season in Pep's Man City team, how much better or obviously wouldn't be as good as Edison. But what's the quality level drop off? Whereas if you took any other player from that League One team and put it in Pep's side they'd be hideously exposed, like within 15 minutes. Yeah, that's a bit harsh in Plymouth, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the championship now, mate, so I I wasn't including Plymouth. Yeah, yeah, fine. Do you think he actually would, though? Or do you think, like, the quality of those players would actually mask a lot of the inability, you know? I think you've got enough skills. If you're a holding midfielder or something. I think you'd be fine in the Man City team, wouldn't you? I'm not sure. Depends if you had time to train with them to fit into the system. (laughs) Yeah, but even then, there's so much more to take on board as an outfield player versus just like stop the ball. I think playing out from the back would obviously be the most tricky part. But outside of that, corners, free kicks, crosses, general shot stopping, because I think unless it's an obvious error... The assumption is the keeper doesn't get blamed if someone scores. You just go, great finish. If it sort of bobbles out of their hands or they fumble something. But that's different. I think even a lower level keeper, that sort of thing doesn't happen that often. So unless it happens in your sort of first few games, I think you could probably get away with it as a lower level keeper. Oh, well, I'm going to have to stop you there, guys. If you're on the main feed, I'm afraid that's your lot for today. If you want to get this full episode, plus next week's episode for the current series and a whole host of other bonus content, you can do so over at the Quickly Kevin fan club. To sign up, go to anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin, become a member of the fan club, finish this episode and get loads of other good stuff too. But thank you for joining us for this little preview of this month's special. We'll be back with the main series very soon. Until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 